This is a more than just podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 347 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. We also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? How's it going? It's going good. All right, let's just dig into some fact checks. So I just, I just listened to the last episode uh, the other day, and I don't know, we were talking about Friday night baseball, right? Monday night football to me is not a thing, right? Because, you know, I don't, I don't follow football, I don't follow sports ball in general. but I mean, I, I have to hang my head with shame, <laughs> sit in the penalty box and hang my head with shame. People will know what that means. Uh, because Saturday night in Canada is known as Hockey Night in Canada. And in fact, it used to be the name of the TV show that uh, on CBC that uh, until Rogers stole away the contract. They still do, still do, they still show uh, Hockey Night on, hockey on CBC on uh, Saturday night. I'm not, I'm not sure how long that contract's going to last, but yeah, so. Oh, you said that. I thought you told us about Hockey Night in Canada last time. No, I didn't. No. I, well, I may have talked. No, I, I, I totally gapped on the fact that it's Saturday. Saturday's hockey mm. night, right? So, um, in fact, there's like even a song by Stompin' Tom Connors about that, right? But, and which I'll have to put in the show notes now that I've mentioned that one. But uh, yeah, I've actually got a link here to the theme song from Hockey Night in Canada, which, you know, all of us, you know, grew up on and uh, was written by Dolores Clayman. And her representatives um, had an argument with the CBC and they lost the rights to the, to play the song before their own. And they've been playing this, this song for like forever, like all through by, you know, growing up years. Right. And I guess about 10 years ago. So they lost the rights to it. So Rogers now owns that. So you'll hear it on, on this, like the, our equivalent of ESPN, you know, the sports sports net or whatever it's called. See, I don't even know what it's called. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, just hockey night in Canada, hockey Saturday is hockey night in Canada for sure. Oh, well. Um, Well, as we follow up on uh, our last episode, uh, we talked about the new iPad Pro, which got just announced as well. Or no, the iPad Air just got announced, right? The 2022 version. And there's an interesting article here um, from Mac Rumors that came out uh, a few weeks ago and uh, compares, because we were were talking in the the show about, um, you know, whether or not, you know, I have a, a 20... 2020 iPad Pro 11. You, I mean, you have the second generation, I think we had determined iPad. I think Mark, you might have an iPad Pro. I've got a couple um, of iPad Pros, yeah. I've got the 21 yeah. 13-inch and the probably the nine, 2019 11-inch, yeah. I think. So the calculus between the iPad Air and the iPad Pro, they're very close together in terms of in terms of features, and that's, you know, kind of like, you know, the difference is, like, for instance, for me, is I have an, I don't have the older ARM chip, and this is what, this is the new M1 chip. You know, they both have, you know, their industrial, you know, the flat sort of iPhone 4 kind of look to them with the square edges, both liquid crystal displays, uh, M1 chip in, in both of the, the current models, um, both have 5G if you want it, both have really good cameras, you know, 1.8. Uh, focal point and 2.4 for the wide angle or for the uh, front facing 4k recording all day 10 hour battery i'm doing a quote because i've never seen a 10 hour battery in my life wi-fi 6 bluetooth 5 USB-C connectors as well and they both are compatible with the smart keyboard folio and the magic keyboard and the apple and the second generation apple pencil where they differ is and this is where i totally missed on this is that the ipad air has touch id versus face id on the pro 
Mm-hmm. Um, slightly mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. sizes, you know. Um, the brightness is a slightly different thing. The the iPad Air has eight gigs of memory, whereas the um, the iPad Pro can have sixteen, eight to eight or sixteen, depending on how you buy it, how you configure it. Um, quite a few other things that are quite different. But yeah, I mean, you know, there there are more the stereo speakers on the stereo recording on the iPad Pro. Um, USB C connector supports Thunderbolt on the iPad Pro, but doesn't on the uh, on the newer Air. And uh, yeah, and I think the price is a couple of bu- couple hundred bucks different. So I mean, you know, like there's some. I mean, there's some you know nice sort of nuances that make the iPad Pro better, but um, it's still they're still very comparable side by side. If you're you know unless you're snooty about your iPad, it's a you know it's a good deal to get the iPad Pro iPad Air 2022 version. But, I mean, for me, like, Face ID would be the, the thing. I You know, even as much as I love uh, Touch ID, uh, I love Face ID even more. Right? Yeah, and it de- depends what you're planning to use it for. I mean, the the Pro has the USB 4, so it's going to have you know, faster yeah. connection speeds. And uh, it also has, um, you know, you can get 16 gig memory as opposed to 8 gig in the, in the iPad Air. So, yeah, I mean, it really is for Pro users, for sure. But if you're not one, you're absolutely right. Maybe not. There's, there's not much difference. If you're just using it to check email and surf the web when you're out and about, then probably either one would work fine. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, and the, we could get into the argument of what what makes a pro device, you know, what makes an iPad Pro, because we really don't have any sort of differentiating thing in software or apps or whatever that make it pro, right? At this point, now, I heard there was, there was an argument about that on on Twitter. Yeah, well, but having more memory and having you can, you can get two terabytes storage. Oh, two terabytes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Things like that. Right. Yeah. I think for me, um, now seeing them side by side on the differences, I think the difference for my use would only be the face ID difference, which I think now that I see it side by side, I'm like, yeah, I think I actually want face ID for my next iPad. So I think I'm going to wait it out till the fall and see what ends up coming out and probably purchase a new iPad Pro site unseen as long as it gets announced. What do you have now? Do you have Touch ID? I have Touch ID and it, like, I'm sure I knew i Sure, we talked about it on this show year after year as Face ID became available for the iPads. Completely escaped my mind. Because uh, w- would you say second gen iPad Air or something? So it's like 2017, 2018. But it's been a while since I've had to really think, um, you know, think long and hard about the the purchase of an iPad. Because you know, for consumption, which is how I use it, it, uh, it lasts quite a long time as it clearly has here in 2022. Yeah, the only odd thing I have, well, I mean, I'm not sure. I think the new ones do center stage on the front camera because the camera I have now on my iPad, um, I, I always keep it in landscape mode because it's connected to my Magic Keyboard and the camera is off on the left-hand side, right? So when I'm on a call or whatever using my, my iPad, I'm always looking off to the right kind of yeah, thing in the conversation. So yeah. that, that's the only thing is like, you know, so if we're, if we're doing like a, we did a, a, you know, sort of a family portrait the other day where, you know, for work, we had to do a, like a, uh, turn on our video and take a picture, but I had to consciously look at the camera to get, you know, my, make it look like I was paying attention, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just another quick follow-up. We talked last week, last time about, uh, the, um, mask, I- mask face ID feature that came in f- uh, 15.4. And the one thing I noticed right away that I don't know it was ever mentioned anywhere or saw it anywhere that as soon as I enabled it, um, it, basically forced me to reset my my uh touch ID, my face id profile which i found kind of odd right um you know because i haven't had to change that in i don't know how many generations of probably every time i got a new phone i would have to change it right but 
It was just odd that I had that I had to do. And I mentioned it to you guys too. Have you guys set up the mask ID, mask face well, ID thing yet? I did, and it. I remember it making me do some more scans, but I didn't know I was resetting. I thought I was just yeah. doing oh, adding an additional, additional scan oh, to maybe, maybe to maybe. handle the uh, the mask. Yeah, I um, I think I either heard you say on this show or saw you talk on Twitter about. Uh, face ID stuff getting reset within apps. I did not encounter that myself, and I didn't yeah. do this scientifically to see was I wearing my Apple Watch and and clouding the the results. But I'm pretty sure I saw the software upgrade just you know after Mark mentioned like you know after rescanning my face with a mask and everything. Like it seemed like it works pretty well. It just uh, sometimes I have to look down just a little bit lower for it to detect that I'm actually paying attention to the face ID. Other than that, everything seems uh, pretty pretty smooth. It's Certainly seems faster than unlocking my phone with my Apple Watch. So there's an upgrade mm-hmm. even for yeah. somebody like me. Yeah, it could have been. I don't know what what I forget what it was, but it was like right away. Like the thing, the next thing I did after I after I enabled the features, I went to like open a banking app or something like that. And and I think it uh, it sort of said your face ID your face ID profile is not sympath you know simpatico, right? So they wanted to mm-hmm. wanted me to reset it. I remember it was like. PayPal or something like that with some face ID thing. I guess I guess they, the app had recognized that my face ID profile had changed. Maybe that's what it was, right? By adding these extra scans. But uh, yeah, it was just weird. Anyway, it's just a minor annoyance. So, I mean, once I've, that was like, you know, weeks ago that I did that and it hasn't really become up. Anyway, so the next next article I got here... Um, oh no, this is this is an article about the, uh, the new studio display. Uh, we I don't know if we talked about this. We didn't talk about this on the show, but... Um, it has the A13 chip, but apparently it runs full iOS 15.4, um, which, you know, of course, you know, started up people talking about, like, what, what can you do with that? Well, obviously, it's for it's to support the stereo, the stereo speakers and the, um, and the, the web, webcam and, and all that kind of stuff that, that goes along with the new display, because um, people are thinking, well, why can't I run, like, a tvOS on here or something, right? Um, and it's got a full Apple M1 chip in it, which is, oh, no, it's just a, a MacBook Pro. What am I looking at here? I'm looking in the article that we linked here, right? This is, yeah, A13 Bionic chip, which is same as iPhone 11 from 2020. Um, why has this guy got the screen here? I guess it could make sense from a reuse sort of thing. If you needed some extra power, it's probably easier to just turn, you know, an iPhone unit into a subsystem for the display. So that seems mm, like why it's running iOS 15.4. It does seem a little silly that you would have upgrade type problems for for your monitor it just feels weird to say and this article that you linked uh, which we'll have in the show notes for those of you driving at home is uh sort of key to it i don't recall if they've fixed it since then but um early on the studio display had issues with uh poor webcam quality for the built-in webcam and um there was some confirmation that oh this is actually a software issue that uh the claim is that it was a a last minute change that Surprise, surprise. Here, here's your engineering discussion here, folks, or those of you listening. You can never sneak in a last minute change and have something not go horribly wrong. It go always right. goes wrong. Yeah. Let my wisdom teach you. <laughs> As it happens, yeah. even to the, uh, you know, two to three trillion dollar market cap company, they tried to sneak something in, didn't run a full regression test. And whoops, one of the oh, mainline yeah. features of um, cinema, or, sorry, center stage just did not work properly. Uh, and yeah. That's quite embarrassing. So. So well, let's move into the next article because the article, the, the next article I've got is is two videos, one from Marquise Brown Lee and the other one from Rainey Ritchie talking about how the studio Apple Studio display, as Marcus Brown Lee says, is a bad deal. 
and uh, one of the one of the knocks he has against it is this webcam and um I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this before, but you know I work with with many many different people from many different con- countries and cultures and things like that. And I've always I've noticed that sometimes um, software can do well. I'm going to hopefully not get in trouble for saying this. It can whitewash people's images, right? Um, and he was complaining about the fact that Marcus was complaining about the fact that the webcam he had he had a black T-shirt on, and you know. Uh, he was trying to say that, like, it kind of washed out, like gray, sort of, it came out kind of gray, and it just couldn't get any sort of depth. Is that the the issue you were talking about, Jaime? The no, it wasn't a color correction. It was, it was like a, uh, it looks like that Game Boy camera sort of thing that uh, that uh, Greg Hio often posts pictures from, right? The uh, like password, like that's. I'm being facetious. It's not quite that bad, but it was a. Wait a minute, isn't this basically running an iPad front facing camera? literally no ipad that they sell today as a front-facing camera this bad why is it so bad and it turns out that it was a uh, a software issue hmm. not not something you know fundamentally flawed with the camera system hardware itself it was purely a software issue and uh, from listening to the talk show with john gruber it sounds like he got the you know the people on the inside that said yeah it was a last minute uh, patch that whoops they didn't realize impacted something else whoops yeah well so let's let's dig into this this uh this is a bad deal story i mean uh what marcus brownlee's article article is about um talking about you know the fact that it's the same um panel as the 27 inch imac i think and the and the lg display as he says it's the 27 inch imac without the mac and it's the lg without the lg display without the lg lg 5k display right um Another a couple of other things too is that you know it's got the really cool speakers and and nicely engineered. Um, the fact that the the stand comes, you know, the, the default stand for a lot of people is too low. If you want to buy the one that's uh, adjustable, height adjustable, um, it's height adjustable and tiltable. It's really well made, but that's like a four hundred dollar upgrade, as opposed to a thousand dollars for the, the Pro XDR display, right? But um, you know. So that's that's a, a, an issue about it. So and the thing about it is, I think that the main argument is it, it's a lot of money to pay. I mean, there's you know that some of the things that it has, um, it has a non-removable power cord. Uh, apparently, as a special tool, you have to get to pull it out. It isn't like you know most monitors or even iMacs that have some sort of a removable removable power cord. Um, and other things like you know the 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 ports and that kind of stuff, the Thunderbolt ports and things. But you can get a Dell monitor with very similar specs for around five hundred, six hundred dollars US, as opposed to fifteen hundred dollars US, which is what this one is, right? And you know he sort of his his argument was, or his his explanation was, is there's, there's some sort of Rolls Royce you can get with suicide doors and and uh, V V six engine, I believe it was, for four hundred thousand dollars. But it's like you know that's if that's what you if that's where you're going then you know that's that's good enough for you or like the self-lacing nike running shoes that you can get or you know they're they're 350 dollars. but so comparing them to like a pair of shoes which you can get for 100 bucks you know (laughs) you know are you is 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 that what you really want i mean so from from the fact that you know we've all been asking for apple to come up with a display i know mark and i've talked about that a number of times um now that they've done it, I mean, are we are we okay with spending the money to make to be within the Apple ecosystem, or would or would we go with you know a, a comparable monitor uh, of for less money per se, right? Like with so the Thunderbolt think, ports and stuff. 
comparable for less money. Comparable is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. Um, so uh, I'll bring up something we talked about before of, you know, when, when you know people are going to throw rocks, don't, don't hand them rocks. <laughs> and Apple right, yeah. absolutely <laughs> screwed up by not making sure that the camera was high quality. I also think it's uh, a lesser degree, but still kind of a weird mess up to not have an easily removable power cord. Now, I do think if people are bringing up, oh, the power cord can't be removed, I'm like, okay, <laughs> is that a reason to buy another monitor? <laughs> you have to be really close for those to be like the the, the benefit of the doubt. Make or win, break right? points. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the like comparable, I'm like, no, you literally cannot find a monitor even vaguely close to this if you're talking about this as a normal company and not Apple, right? So um, I'm not aware of any other monitor that handles macOS natively with the 2x resolution handling, right? It usually done some, doing some sort of scaling difference. Or monitors tend to yeah. not have the same color range uh, or fidelity and uh, a whole bunch of other different things. So it's a little weird for reviewers to be like, oh, well, like, a whole plethora of monitors, if you take each of their individual attributes, collectively are better than this one. Like, yeah, I'm sure that's true. But just like we sort of year after year, like, oh, here's the new iPhone. Oh, but Android has this. I'm like, no, one particular phone <laughs> in like South Korea has that attribute. But find me a phone in the Android ecosystem that has all of these attributes that this new iPhone has. It feels well, like this weird. So, so here, here's an example. Here's an example, right? So, so he does a side by side comparison of the specs of the Apple Studio Display versus the LG Ultrafine 5K, which I think is its predecessor, right? Both are 27 inches. Both are 520 by 228, 280, 2880pic uh, resolution. Both are 600 nits. Both are IPS LCD displays. Both are 60 hertz. Both support P3 color. Um, but the LG is, you know, a couple hundred dollars less. And then he compares. Another monitor, one second here. The, so the Dell UltraSharp U2720Q is uh, also 27 inches. It's slightly lower resolution. It's more like a 4K than a 5K. It's 350 nits. Okay, that's a little, not quite as bright. It's still an IPS LCD display. It's still 60 hertz. It still supports P3 color. And it's $600. Yeah, so right. what I heard was literally neither one of those is comparable to what this set of trade-offs has made. Right. So I heard, I don't know. I heard, oh, uh, this one, the first one's a little closer. It sounds like at least in, in, in on paper technical specs, which I want to come yeah. back to. But the second was yeah. like, oh, it's like less resolution. Exactly. Throw it off the, throw it out the window. It's not comparable. Well, no, but, <laughs> give but the, LG, the LG Ultrafine is, value. LG Ultrafine is the same panel. That's what I'm saying. Like the LG Ultrafine is the same panel. It doesn't, it doesn't have the tilty sort of display thing. It doesn't have the, the special texture for anti-glare and that kind of stuff. Right. But, it makes an interesting argument. I mean, like, and but this is, you know, we've, we've, li I've lived through this. I don't know about you guys, but I've lived through this my entire career in, in terms of using computers is, is I've always been on the Apple side. I've always been on the Mac side and I've always taken a beating for the fact that stuff costs more. Right. Yeah. I'm not arguing what that, it, you know, isn't a premium price, but, um, the, these comparisons go in a really weird sort of thing. Like, Oh, these are, you know, this one has, uh, you know, a thousand dollars less, but like, a thousand one k less resolution. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, maybe that's a dollar per k there, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, uh, absolute cost is different than than uh, value. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And okay. The other weird thing is like, oh, well, like these things are like on paper the same specs. I'm like, yeah, but how does it look? <laughs> how 
how does it look <laughs> right like it's kind of like the most practical thing that you're going to be doing with the monitor like i i will say um you know going with like laptops it's pretty common to find um you know windows based laptops out there that have you know on paper roughly the same specs as uh some top of the line macbook and people are like oh look, yeah, this true. thing was like 500 bucks why does this macbook cost like 3000 like well pick it up by a quarter and, and watch as it crinkles because it's made out of cheap crap <laughs> this thing is solid aluminium and will not make that that terrible one like uh, people are are like ignoring the fact that like yes if you wanted a handbag you'll get just as much you know use out of the $25 one from Walmart or the $10,000 one from Louis Vuitton. You can Vuitton. use the the bag the plastic bag you get for 5 cents from Walmart instead of a handbag, right? Yeah, and you know I sure. I do acknowledge that like a Louis Vuitton handbag is definitely going to be, you know, better quality but it's not however many x 20 bucks to uh, $10,000 right. is, right? <laughs> Well, the, much the, point, the point of the is Louis Vuitton is is to show people that you can you can afford a Louis Vuitton, right? It's not it's not to yeah, carry but it, but it does have better <laughs> handle. It does have better zipper. It does have better better seam and sewing. Oh, but it, I'm sure top, I'm yeah. sure you can get a two hundred dollar handbag that was just as high quality as the ten thousand yeah. dollars. True. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. Um, that's kind of where I'm going with 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 this conversation. That like uh, I don't think Apple is quite off into the 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 luxury branding as Louis Vuitton, it does have mm-hmm. some premium aspects mm-hmm. to it. Um, but the, uh, Oh, you know, here's this particular nitpick sort of thing for these reviewers. I'm like, okay, cool. That doesn't make it a bad deal. <laughs> right. Like, well, the one, the one swing and a miss though, is, and this guy spends a lot of time doing, doing videos and stuff like that. Right. And he said that, as he calls it a swing and a miss is that he has, you know, the, the brand new MacBook, um, you know, M M one pro, uh, 16 inch, which has the the micro LED, micro LED, is it micro LED um, display, and putting that right beside this monitor, the, the when you're doing video editing and stuff like that, and, and all the sort of promotion things like that, they look much better on the laptop display than they do on on the this display that you just spent 1500 bucks on, right? You know, so I guess that that's another thing is why did why did Apple uh, is it a technology reason why they didn't go with mini LED on these guys? It's the same. It's a similar panel as the 27-inch iMac, like I said before, right? So, I think they had a whole warehouse full of them, right? Yeah, I can't speak to that one. Like, I'm not sure what ends up happening with the supply chain. I'm gonna guess that trying to get a larger, a significantly larger panel at scale is probably difficult to do. Um, otherwise, it would, if nothing else, simplify their supply chain a whole lot more if they could use the same exact technology across the entire line. And it'd be a significant um, uh, scale savings for their, their costs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not the, the pro XDR pricing too. That's the other thing too. Like it, like, you know, there, the, the argument is if you're going to have like a 30 inch monitor and you want you know, and you're doing high pollutant video, you want the pro pro XDR display right now. This is sort of the art director studio display, you know, for the rest of us kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I've always, to be honest with you, I've always loved Apple monitors. I mean, I've always found them to be, you know, better. Even even though in the back in the day, you know, I was known to buy and sell BenQ monitors because they were just they were just a better price, you know. Yeah. And to sum up, it, both of you can be right at the same time in this argument. No, so yeah, the, well, they can, this the monitor can be a, a premium product and therefore deserves a higher price point because it is a premium product than the competition. And it can still not be a good 
value for the money that you're paying. They can both be true at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. But anyway, I have a, I have a little anecdote uh, regarding the, the wire, the, uh, the cable that's hard co- hardwired into the back of the monitor that you mentioned. So the same thing is true about uh, my trusty old uh, Thunderbolt display that I've had. Well, it's true. Same with mine. Yeah. Yeah. That I've had for since 2014. So it's going on eight years now, more than eight years. Uh, and so it's it's hard co- hardwired into the back, and it's this double cable that had the MagSafe uh, power connector as well as the Thunderbolt two connector that you could use on your on your laptop. Uh, and I've been you know since I got my my uh, M one Mini, I've just been using one of these Thunderbolt two to Thunderbolt three adapters and plugging it into the Thunderbolt three USB port, and just having the power, the MagSafe power thing uh, just dangling because yeah. it doesn't do anything. Oh, you don't use it to charge your Mac? Uh, uh, my M1 does not have that. Oh, you're, you're, that's right, your M1 yeah. doesn't need to charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I got to plug I, it. I use it to charge my, my, I have my twenty my 2020 MacBook Pro 13 on, on mine, and I use, a, I have like an adapter from, like I have the, it's MagSafe 1 to MagSafe 2 adapter, yeah. that little $9 adapter, and then I have a, uh, MagSafe to USB-C um, dongle I got from China. Oh, interesting. I, okay, yeah, so I that that's plugged into my sort of. Oh, I uh, see. So you, you use two USB-C ports then? Um, well, I actually have a dock on this one. So okay. Yeah, I have, okay. Yeah. No, but, I only but, use. I, yeah. No, I use two USB-C. Yeah, what do you mean by that? I have one for the one for the power, one for the connector. Um, for the Thunderbolt. No, too. they both go. They both run through the same thing. Like it's one. It's coming from. A, I'm I'm charging my. MacBook off the monitor power the the MagSafe on the monitor on the monitor, but mine is the older one. It's the MagSafe two or MagSafe but, one. But do you also plug your Thunderbolt? Oh, you don't have the Thunderbolt display. That's right. Yeah, I have the older. I have the older. Right. Okay. So that display, just goes into the display, display port. Okay. So okay. I have okay. a display yeah, yeah, port adapter yep. as well. I have a display yeah. port adapter yeah. as well yeah. to USB. Yeah. See. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. I have so, a bag full of dongles. We talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, continuing the story. So for the past few weeks, I've been having this problem with my with my monitor, where every once in a while it'll just go black. You know, just turn off. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, and any you know external drives are get you know undocked and everything dismounted and everything. Uh, but then it would come back. Uh, you know, you I would you know wiggle something or tap something and and it would come back. Uh, and one thing I noticed was that the uh, the cable, the end of the cable, where it plugged into the Thunderbolt two to Thunderbolt three adapter, was getting really hot. So okay, ah. I figured it's yeah, it's the cable. So I, of course, I went online and investigated what is it going to take to replace this cable, and it's it's probably not worth it because because it's going to cost me a hundred bucks to get a new cable, and then I got to open up the monitor and take it apart and the annoying thing is once you apparently once you open it up and take it apart and get down to the logic board it just there's a thunderbolt cable that just plugs into a thunderbolt port on hardwired onto soldered onto the onto the logic board what really yeah yeah, it's yeah so you just unplug it and plug the new one in and you're done but i didn't want to do that so i so i went and just got a thunderbolt 2 cable and plugged that there is a thunderbolt 2 port on the on the display plug that into my adapter and it works just fine uh, but now I have two cables dangling off of this thing. So I wonder, you know, like I have that, I got that 20 inch, the original, you know, 20 inch panel, um, thing. I found it on a garage sale and it was dead and, and I just had to open it up and replace one, one chip. It was not a, not a, it's a, 
like a power regulator that mm-hmm. goes on those commonly goes on these guys and they just they have no video like they, they just won't even fire up the, the lighting right mm-hmm. um it's mm-hmm. not it's not like the backlight goes it's like the whole monitor shut down right and it, it has to do with um like a voltage it, it it's a regulator yeah, it's voltage guess. regulator yeah, yeah so yeah. I just had to I just common, had to, uh, common so, thing to go bad yeah, so I I just you know found I found the uh, the part on Amazon and I also bought an entire board from somebody on on uh, eBay. I just never I still have it here wrapped up in the, the bubble wrap, but but I just I pulled the monitor apart and and replaced this thing and I put pictures up on Twitter and all that stuff and so now I've got this and, and it's a DVI display monitor. I don't even use it, but it just for the sake of you know a find on the street, you know, rescued mm-hmm. an apple, something shiny with an apple on it, right? Which is the point, after all, like we were just talking about in the previous discussion, is, is the reason we, we like these things because they're shiny and they have apples on them, right? Anyway, cool. The big announcement, which everybody at this time of year is, is waiting to hear, and it's we heard it, well, I guess, a week ago, right? In a long, long ago, I, I cannot recall when this was. I believe you if it was a week. Um, it was ever so close. Oh, yes, here you go. The press release says April 5th. So that's why it felt like a little bit more than a week. Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference returns in its all-online format with a little asterisk on there, June 6th through the 10th, free for all developers to attend virtually. It does have a little bit of an in-person component that they talked about for, like, the keynote, right? Special people and students or something. I'm not entirely certain if we've gotten really good details on that, but I'm not going in person, so it doesn't matter to me. (laughs) I'll be sitting on my couch watching uh, videos with uh, the rest of y'all. You're not going to come down this year, Jaime? For a burrito? Come on. For a burrito. We, we, yeah. we got to... <laughs> man, I, back in those uh, those uh, those summer days... You have to go to the Taqueria... What's it called? Uh, the Taqueria Los Pericos. Yeah, the official Morton yeah. Discode uh, Taco. Actually, uh, Greg was down here the other day, so we went out for a Los Pericos burrito. And you he didn't take a picture? He forgot to take a picture, yeah. Oh, yeah, he man. Was, he was disappointed after. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I'll send him the file. I'll send him my picture, and he can just Photoshop his face on. There you go. <laughs> my body or whatever. Yeah. Cool. So, Jaime, you're the only one left. So here, let's yeah. talk about this for a minute. So we've been talking about whether or not it makes sense for Apple to continue this sort of. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but um, I mean, I love going to WWC, but I, but the last time I went, which was my sixth time, believe it or not, um, I kind of like felt like maybe that was the last time I'm actually going to make the trip to do that because it's an expensive conference so like when you pay hotel and living in, in San Jose or San Francisco you know you're and plus flight you're you're into like at least 5k $5,000 right to, to do this right um you know that's like 350 in Canadian in US dollars but it's it's a lot of money for for an individual to pay and I, I every single time I've gone I've had to pay right it wasn't like mm. I you know had a company paying for me right yep. my, my company paid for it right device tracker paid for it and not really but you know let's just go with that argument or pi day countdown paid for it but um the uh you know and and the quality of the presentations has been great i mean like you know um you know you don't have you don't have nervous speakers i've seen i sat in uh, some some of the uh, wwdc presentations you know you get different qualities of speakers in the live event because some of them are really well rehearsed some of them are literally just you know They've been prepped to the to the nines, and they're just it's just rattling off, and you know. Uh, but these videos that they've been doing are really slick and really well done, and you know they they focus in on the the main element when they need to switch to code or whatever, or they just want to show the the talking head. They can do that too. So, from a production point of view, the videos are great. I mean, the fact that even for the last you know, I think since twenty seventeen twenty eighteen. 
they've been able to uh, broadcast two or three lectures at the same time, right? So, um, you know, you, if you're sitting at home watching on your Apple TV or your, your Mac, you can choose between multiple th- tracks. You don't have to, you know, don't, don't have to sit on the one presentation. Um, it is fun to go to, to you know, to, to, to attend the keynote and meet all the other, other developers. It's great to network with other developers and that kind of stuff and a lot of fun in games and stuff like that. But I think, but I think a lot of people don't like, you know, like Mark, I think you're one of the ones that, that, you know, never really saw the, I mean, it's just down the street from you really, but you never really saw the glory in going to this, this comfort and hanging out with other people. Like, whereas you could sit at home and watch it. Right. Am I right in that? Yeah, you know, certainly from from a technical content point of view, I think the online version is is orders of magnitude better. I just have to be honest. I mean, there's there's more videos than than there were live talks. Uh, there, you know, there are topics that even when it was kind of um, you know when it, when it was when, when it was live, but they were putting up the videos, there were always extra videos coming up. So so there's more yeah. technical content. Uh, Exactly what you said about you know, the quality would vary when it was live. Uh, there was always this situation where you're, you know, there's one time slot where you want to see all three talks, and yeah. then there's a different time slot where you don't want to see any of the talks. You're not interested in, in them, and you go avoid that completely with this. So, from a technical content point of view, yeah, you're absolutely right, and and yeah, it is true. Um, you know, being here in Silicon Valley, I think there's less of the 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 wow factor. Uh, that you might get if you're if you're from somewhere else, you know. Because I mean, I I, dr- I can drive by Apple every day if I want to, and, you know, no reason to. But I mean, technically, I do on the freeway. I drive by Apple every single day. So so the the proximity to Apple is is not that big of a deal for me. And I meet you know people who work there reasonably often, you know. So so there so there isn't that. Um, there is it is you are missing the meeting other devs. Uh, which is kind of a kind of a yeah kind of a thing that's that's uh, missing in the in the online version. Although again, like, yeah, around here there's a lot of devs, so <laughs> so it's maybe not as noticeable for me. So yeah, I think uh, yes, what you said was true that that it, for me the the non technical part was not that big of a thing anyway, uh, and so I like the technical part better with the with the at home version. So overall, I'm still I'm in favor of it. Of it staying online, yeah. I just I guess the question is, will it stay that way? What 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 do you th- what's your impressions of WWC and in, in its sort of hybrid form currently, Jaime? I think I'm pretty happy with the way that they've handled the the pre canned videos. I do think it lets them uh, do some interesting things with the production work and lets them right size the content. They're not you know throwing in potatoes to make the stew a little thicker for some topics that don't really warrant it. If it's a Five minute topic or a fifteen minute topic. That's what it is. It doesn't have to either, you know, be packaged with other things to make it a full forty to forty five minutes. Nor does it uh, get stretched out. I do like that. I do sort of wish that we had an option to sort of come together again as a festival. I think the festival aspect is is pretty nice of you know meeting other people. I think if you're looking just straight up for developer content, I, by far the much better deal is watching the videos for free. Really can't beat that, but being able to come together as a community and and talk about all the cool stuff that was announced at WWDC, or the cool stuff that people are currently doing, or the cool stuff that they're thinking about doing now that they've seen what's at WWDC, I kind of miss that aspect. 
Yeah. The, the, yeah. One, the other thing too, the other thing too is, is the sort of unattainium of the ticket, right? I mean, the fact that, you know, they only had 5,000, I mean, they could only host 5,000 people at a time. Uh, part of that, the size of the venue inside of the size of the halls that they have. Um, but, and, and so that, that's always been a, a thing. Like, you know, like I, I remember the sort of FOMO feelings I used to get. I mean, when I first went to WWDC, I bought a ticket, like I bought my ticket, you know, late in April. Like, I mean, it was like, it, it had 2020, 20, in 2010, the first time I went, it was, um, you know, it was no rush to get a ticket. And then, but very, very quickly, like within a year or two, it became the point where we got to the lottery, right? And mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, it's, you know, there are people who deserve to go to WWC who are never going to get the chance, right? Um, I feel guilty saying I've, went, I've been six times, you know, I, but then again, I, I work with people all the time who couldn't care less, right? If they ever went to WWDC, right? Yeah. But the, the and, and also if they started doing these tech talks, like, like even just like these, these office hour uh, conferences that they've had or sessions they've had recently where you could dial in on a Zoom call, they have a limited number of capacity in terms of people who could sign up and join. Uh, those are like you know they they go lickety split too it's kind of like um you know like the swift ui ones were just gone the minute they announced them kind of thing right um and so i mean that that side of it this online you know all you can eat you know buffet of of uh fire hose of, of videos that comes out every every morning um you know, is is a much better thing, I think, all around for all developers. When the last time we looked at the numbers, we I think we figured like probably three years ago we were looking at 160 million developers around. It's way more than that, I'm sure now, right? Yeah. You know, when you think about it, the the world, the iOS and macOS world has definitely changed, right? So in those days that we're talking about, and still sort of thinking that it's like that, which it's not, like 2010 or or, or earlier. The Apple developer world was was a very small, very exclusive yeah, club, yeah. and it not it was exclusive by you know self excluding in some sense. People chose to be in this group because they really wanted to. It wasn't exclusive of other people, but you know, keep, wasn't keeping anyone out. It's just not that many people were that interested in. So it was a small community. They used to fly sense. developers. They used to fly developers from England to come to attend yeah. WWC. Yeah, yeah, so so WWDC was was the right kind of conference for that kind of community, you know, where anyone who wanted to go reasonably could go. But then things exploded, right? The yeah. the, the iPhone, iPhone came out and, and things just exploded, and all of a sudden it was the hottest ticket in town. Uh, and and so I think I mean that it was a victim of its own success, right? You lose that aspect of. This is the one time every year you get to see this small community of people that you know every year because they're you know it's always the same people plus or minus a few and this is your one chance a year to get to see all these all these people that was gone because it was just all new people and random people and um, you know people who won the lottery so so it definitely changed the whole concept of the conference and and now I'm I'm just not sure it makes sense there's so many people who do this kind of kind of work as you as you mentioned Tim. And you know, a lot of them, a huge number of them, it's just a job, right? They got into iOS yeah, because yeah, their com- yeah. they were web developer, their company needed someone to do the iOS app. So their side, hey, you go do the iOS app. So they did it. And they're not doing it out of any kind of passion for it or interest even in the technology. They're just doing it because it's, it's they just don't even job. listen to the show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and there's a huge number of people in that bucket. So 
So talking about the iOS community is, you know, it's not the same as it was. So, you know, does it even make sense to have this conference anymore in, in the way it was? Probably not, you know, and, 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 you know, COVID was a forcing factor uh, to shape change. And, and my guess is that, you know, people are going to take a step back and say, well, you know, we were forced into this situation, but it's working and let's keep it that way. That's my, that's my guess. Yeah. The other thing too, I was just thinking about this, like the one time, I, the only people I know that, that, that we know these days who go to in, in-person things are the, are the press people like the, you know, the John Gruber's yeah. and the Rennie Ritchie's and the Marquise Brownlee's and those kind of folks who get to get to go and see the, the, the rollout and get to play with the stuff because they're writing about it and they're given, they're yeah. given test devices. But, and and but, now they get to go to Apple Park and hang out in the Steve yeah. Jobs Theater and it's better for yeah. their point of view. Yeah, and so yeah. so the thing is that, like, you know, when I, the, the one time I went, it was actually a Macworld uh, keynote, right? And because they used to do the big announcement at, I mean, they used to, I can't remember if they had, they, they must have had a keynote at, at, yeah, they had keynotes at WWDC, but the big, iPhone announcement, like the iPhone that uh, the, when the iPad rolled uh, got announced by Steve Jobs, that was in April, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when the you know the phone got announced in July or Ju- or June June or whatever, they used to have, they used to have one in January in I believe January in San Francisco, and then they had August in Boston. They had a Mac, right, right, right. And it was if once Apple decided they weren't going to be on the booth yeah. anymore, they're going to have an Apple booth. That was the the death knell for yeah. MacWorld. MacWorld just right? became the MacWorld uh, Expo, the the iPhone case trade show. <laughs> well, it was like it was the i it was the Mac tra- case trade show before the iPhone, the iPod, right, right. It was the iPod yeah. show before before that, right? Yeah. But I mean, because the one time I went, it was just like it was like half the booths were just selling iPod accessories, right? But, um. You know, I was there for the Mac, the MacBook Air rollout where he pulled out a little envelope and all that kind of stuff, right? So I was th- th- there that year, and I think that was, yeah, that was in San Francisco. But um, the, you know, that w- it was more of a consumer kind of thing. And, and the, the keynote is still a consumer um, presentation because, you know, it's kind of like we always joked at the platform State of the Union, which happens at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in San Francisco, or California time is um, is the real keynote for developers. That's where they they talk about you know they announce the new OS, they show all the new features, they show all you know they have they bring the people up to play the games and drive the cars and whatever in the keynote when 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 Tim Cook is doing his presentation. But it's the platform state of the unions where the real the real rubber hits the road as it were, right? And we find out what sections we what sections we're going to look into for whatever AI or you know machine learning thing that they roll out. But my point is that that the previously the the key the big keynote was the the Steve note if you want to call it was the the MacWorld keynote right mm-hmm. where they would roll out the new device or the new OS or the time capsule or you know the Apple TV originally and all that kind of stuff right so that's changed I mean and so so the whole focus of I mean this this keynote has now become the i mean the wwc keynote has now become that consumer you know rollout for the new stuff but like we're still seeing you know we have an iphone event in the fall we have an ipad event in the spring you know so and apple spreads it around now like and and they have these smaller things and they're still doing the the stuff i know that i mean the other point too is i know that that the folks at apple are back to the office now because you see them talking about it on twitter and stuff but um they you know I mean, the the fact that they're back to the office doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have a back to, you know, the McHenry Convention Center uh, anytime soon, like whether it's this year or next year, you know, um, 
you know, like we're, I, we're still, we're just in the sixth wave of COVID here in Toronto. And yet the government has removed all the masking restrictions. You can go to concerts, you can go to restaurants, you can go, you know, kids are going to school without masks on. And as we all know, as we report here on the 20th of April, it's not yesterday in the United States, there was a, a judge, you know, ruled that you don't have to wear a mask on an airplane anymore, right? And so everybody just threw their, their masks into a big garbage bag on the, on the flight, you know? So, I mean, so my point is that we're, we're in a sixth wave and, you know, I just had my fourth booster, you know, uh, or my fourth shot. Yeah, I did too. Yep. Yeah, so, so we're not done yet, you know, and we're not out of the woods yet. But, you know, the, I guess the question is, like, I think that, you know, from what it takes Apple to, to, to what it costs them to put on this show, what it costs them to have all the speakers prepped to speak live. live. Speaking live is completely different than doing it on video. Video, you can do multiple takes, you know, you can, they can really, you know, sort of play with things, you know, in terms of, of look and feel and, and they can produce. They, I mean, they're, they're putting all their Apple, you know, Academy Award winning uh, muscle into into the the WWC videos. I mean, they're great. I mean, they look like, you know, proper tech presentations, you know, as you would expect, right? Um, second to none, as it were, right? But, so I kind of wonder, like, what the future of WWC is going to be. Like, I'm happy it's, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm totally happy that it, they're going to do this thing, you know, um, like they did last year and the year before, uh, with, you know, at, at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, whatever it is, they'll roll out, you know, a day's worth of videos. And there's no way you could get through that entire day. I don't know. Maybe I wonder if people, get, people do manage to get through every single video in a day, but you know, but you know, why would you, there's kind of, there's really no reason to. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a completionist, but you know, but yeah, well, no, I, but I mean, you, you can still watch all the videos. You just don't have to do them all at the same time. Yeah. And you, and you can spend them out over time and you can go, I mean, I go back every now and then and, and I want to just, I'm looking for some resource or whatever. I go back and, and watch something from, from the before times and, you know, Oh, I still do. Yeah. It's, there are times when I just want a refresher on, on yeah. everything about a certain topic. So I'll go back to like, I'll start with 2010 or whenever it was, maybe not, maybe not that far back, uh, but 2014, 2014, 2015. Yeah. 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 And I'll just watch all the videos in a row and you see the evolution of the thing. And that's, that's really how you learn. That's a, it's, it's a good way to learn why things are the way they are. I think, cause you look at the big, the early stuff and you see how it evolves over the years. And, um, and you know what uh, how it's how it's become what it is and why the you know the api may have some idiosyncrasies or something like that yeah 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 anyway yeah so so yeah i just want to let's move on to a couple of other things i my my safari's locked up i've opened another browser here but uh so the other the other issue that we're another thing that's happening in and uh is this rumor of um m1 m2 computers coming out and uh there's an article here that uh, I posted um, about Apple has begun widespread testing of the M2 chip, uh, which is, you know, I don't know how this got out, but there you have it. Um, what was it? Yeah, so there's, there's a MacBook Air with an M2 chip coming, codenamed J413. There's a Mac Mini with an M2 chip. There's an entry-level MacBook Pro, which is the 13-inch, I guess, or the, I guess, 14-inch now, I guess, with M2 chip. Uh, there's, there's a 14 inch MacBook Pro. How can you have an entry level MacBook Pro and then a 14 inch MacBook Pro? Are they still keeping the 13 inch format? That sounds weird, eh? Or, or, or maybe it's the, the, no, I guess they got rid of the little tiny 12 inch one, right? Um, there's a 16 inch coming. There's a Mac Pro <laughs> coming with an M1 Ultra. 
Oh no, with Machina will be a successor to Emote or whatever that's going to be. So that says a Mac Pro coming at some point. And another Mac Mini. There's two Mac Minis here listed. One with an M1 chip. Hmm. So I guess there's going to be an entry-level Mini and a, and a Pro-level Mini. So Yeah, they continue so to cool. have the model of, I would like to buy a Mac. Great. How much money do you have? Cool. In $25 increments, here is the model that you probably yeah. want. Right, they they yeah. sort of have the the overlap there of you know, devices that seem like they would be the same, except you know if you're saving a few hundred bucks, it might be not worth it to get the latest and greatest. But if you're like, give me all the cool stuff, you're gonna go with those M2s yeah. and pay the premium. I want all the things. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's I mean it's no no surprise that or and no shock that the M2 is is coming right because this is. Just like every other industry, the chip industry works the same way. It's you have a certain model, and and as soon as the first one, first model is done, you're already working on the next model. And it might take a couple of years before it comes out, but then, but then it does, and so there you go. Uh, especially given that the the iPads now, I mean, there's a lot of iPads that are more powerful than Macs right now in terms of yeah, computing that's power. That's true. So that that can't be. <laughs> or can it be? I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting thing. Like like. There's, I think the line is getting blurrier between you know what what you do, but yeah, it's interesting. And and they're probably working on you know three, the third and fourth generation too, wouldn't they? Be, right, right now, Mark, wouldn't they be? Oh, well, for sure. If the M2 is in testing, they're yeah. they're the M3 is in design. Maybe not the M4 yet, but the M3 is certainly in right. design. Yes, hmm. absolutely. What's the uh, typical life cycle that sort of thing? I know for like cars, automobiles. You'll have a family that's like five years in design and each iteration within that five-year period is, um, you know, some minor variation improvement of the basic design. And then you have these five-year jumps to the next family of design. Is it work yeah. similar for, for chips? Yeah, it, it definitely does. Uh, I can't give a precise time because there's all sorts of different chips, uh, but it's kind of tied into the life cycle of the technology node to some degree or at least it used to be okay i I can't say for sure it's still like this but but it used to be that remember moore's law where every every two years you'd get uh, a new technology that was essentially twice as good well if you got a new type of technology and by technology i mean you can make the transistor smaller you can make the interconnect smaller so it's just an all-around you know you, you take you take whatever you were running in the fab and you come up with a new thing to run in the fab that's bigger and better, right? And, and Moore's law said it doubles every every couple of years. Uh, so so it, it makes sense if you, if you if you have you know literally twice as much capability, you might as well make a whole new chip and and get twice as much capability down, out of that chip. So so it used to be uh, yeah every couple of years you would you would get a new a new generation of these things. These days I don't know if it's still every couple of years. I think it, I think things have slowed down because. Moore's law itself is sort of sort of running out of steam, um, just because they just physics just won't let the technologies get that much better. They have to play more tricks with with different uh, transistor architectures, and th- and then do a lot more things with multiple cores and things like that to get the chips better and better. But I, but I would say yeah, a couple of years is about right. How long has the M1 been around? Two years. Uh, yeah, just roughly 18 months, I think. Yeah. 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 To the public. To the public. Yeah. 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 So if the M2 machines come out in six months, that, that totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. The M1 is announced at uh, WWDC, um, 20, 
what year is this? <laughs> 2021. Because, uh, yeah, because I had just bought my 2020 Mac and I, uh, two, within a month it came out, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Um, I'm not planning on buying a Mac right now, so I don't know what's going to come out, guys. I can't really help you. But, um, yeah, because obviously I'm the um, the bellwether, right, for that. Um, yeah, and I was going to say, um, yeah, so the other thing, the other sort of codicil here on the, the article, and there's an article here I've got linked that uh, Mark Berman is predicting that we'll get a MacBook Air at WWDC. So uh, it's presumably the second gen um, and, and uh, Apple Silicon chip, whatever that's going to be. But I was going to say, too, that, that haven't we had a new uh, Apple Silicon chip every year with the, the between the iPads and the, the phones? Right, because it started. The A4 was the first one. The uh, first iPad had the A4, I believe. Right, the original iPad. Oh, so it can't be. Every, yeah. can't be every year. It must be like because, uh, like you know, we got the uh, the 13 was iPhone 11, and I would assume the 14. Was... I mean, it's not too far off, right? Because the we're up to what the A15 now. Yeah. A14, A15, A14, or 15. Yeah, 14? 15 was in the was in the DTK. And it's so. 2022, so 11 years ago would have been. The A4, right? Hmm. And yeah, uh, so th- and the iPad came out in 2010, so yeah. that's approximately right. Yeah. yeah, I noticed it too. I noticed too all the all the uh, current uh, M1 models. Um, if you look around, you'll find them being sold on Amazon for like 50 bucks off or 100 bucks off, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the model. Which for me always indicated that something new is coming. Right, mm-hmm. something's going to get announced any day now. Cool. All right. Um, the next article is about the Apple A16 chip, <laughs> which is apparently going to be in a higher-end iPhone 14, which will be announced this year sometime, iPhone 14 Pro. But apparently the iPhone 14 will include uh, the same chip as the uh, iPhone 13, I guess, as a cost-saving thing for keeping the price down, maybe, um, idea? It could or, even be supply chain our... reality of, you know, supply chains are still out of whack when it comes to the pandemic and other things. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to say, all right, we've got a fancy pants, new a 16 chip, what are the quantities we can get? Okay. We're putting all of those in the highest end iPhone because that's yeah. kind of where it makes the most sense, right? Both from a consumer willing to pay uh, pricing as well as well. You got an iPhone, t- iPhone 14 pro. It'd probably be very unhappy if that has the iPhone 13's chip and the iPhone 14 the regular model has the new fancy pants A16 chip, right? Right, yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah, there was even an example here of, of back in 2013, the iPhone 5S got the A7, but the less expensive um, 5C uh, still had the, the, the previous year's A6 chip. Well, that was, that like was the, the toy one, that. right? That was the one with the colors and the holes. The plastic back. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, should we talk about renting phones, or should we move on to Jaime's story? I don't fully understand the difference here, because when I saw this article of, like, has the time come to rent iPhones? I thought to yeah. myself, isn't that what the iPhone upgrade program is? Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> How does it differ? <laughs> okay, so the article we're talking about is, has time come for Apple to, for Apple to rent iPhones? Um, yeah, because the idea, the idea is that, you know, I think, and we talked about this before, since Apple is, you know, getting into services now, like, is it, is it, has it gotten to the point where they could bundle a device in with, you know, all the services that you want, right? Because, you know, presumably they make, they could potentially make more, more money per month if they did it that way. Oh, I see. So, so whereas the iPhone upgrade program is predominantly the device itself plus, um, Apple care. 
this right. could be a you know apple bundle of oh I, you know our household is you know fitness nuts so we've got apple fitness plus and oh we're the movie watching household so we've got apple tv plus included in our bundle is that is that kind of where they're going with it because that actually would be different than the iphone upgrade program yeah, well, we don't have the iPhone app program here outside of the United States. Like, I have, I get my phone through Rogers, and I could have paid for it up front, or I could do what I'm doing now, which is I pay a little bit each month on my phone bill, right? Um, I could still, I mean, at any point in time, I could just go in and pay off the balance, but, and I think I'd probably pay a little bit extra for financing, but, and then, you know, then I've also got, like, a um, an Apple Care plan on top of that, right? So, and I think the idea is that, when the next phone comes along, um, I have the option to sort of move up to the next phone. Kind of like I think that's similar to what your plan, Mark. I thought you didn't have that plan anymore. Uh, I did that one year. I don't have it anymore. It was. It but was. Is this the plan we're talking about that Harmony's talking about? The yeah. uh, Apple uh, upgrade program. Yeah I, yeah, I did that, and it wasn't worth it. No, no, mm. no. So uh, the the biggest difference that I see in this new thing, if it exists, is that presumably. It would be a month-to-month thing, rather than the upgrade program is. You know, you're locking in for a year, mm. and you're in. And even though it's financed, so you pay it every once a month, you're still paying the full amount, and you're you have a contract to pay the full amount. Uh, and you know, you can't get out of that. Um, you can always sell it and pay it off, but you're you're locked into a full year. With this, it sounds like it would be. You know, it it would be month to month. And if you decide after a month you don't want the phone anymore, well, you return it, and they'll rent it to someone else for. You know, and oh, really? Hmm. That's I mean, that's that's how rentals work, right? That's how rent a center works. Uh, so you're not going to get a new phone necessarily. You might, if you get lucky, you might get a new. Phone. Well, I think the rent is a misnomer. I think they're talking about like a subscription model for phones, like like that's what he talks about in the article, right? Is that that? Well, is kind of so. Like- yeah, then then what's the and I guess yeah, the devil's in the details, right? So so what is the difference between so if you subscribe, can you cancel the subscription after one month? Or yeah, are yeah, you locked yeah. into a year subscription and then it's the same kind of the same? Well, I mean that's a that's a deal with uh, have a, with with my carrier Rogers is is I'm into this phone for two years. Right. Right. And right. I have to I have to pay the same, you know, forty five dollars or whatever it is every two every month right. until the two year period and then I just pay my phone bill, right? So yeah. But yeah, I, don't, I just like this. Don't get me started on phone phone charges. Are they're really out of control here in Canada? But um, we, we pay way too much for our phones. But I yeah, mean, for, yeah, for our cell service, they're pretty high here too. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of an interesting idea, though. So, so putting it as a um, a pure month to month thing, if you could, <laughs> and you know, there's going to be YouTubers out there that do this of like they get the they, they subscribe to whatever Apple plan for the one month, get the hottest, most expensive phone. And then, because they don't want to spend the money after they've done the video, immediately go into the Apple Store and be like, "Yeah, I want to end my subscription," and then maybe really? subscribe to oh. the uh, you know the cheaper model that they can actually afford. I can see a bunch yeah. of people doing that, and it could kind of make sense. And that though you know the Apple genius just you know takes the phone, dusts it off, wipes, wipes off it. the fingerprints, wipes sanitizes it, it says, wipe. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. Now it's on the refurbished model. Uh, plan yeah. right yeah you'd have to be really careful about uh hackers getting in there and leaving some malicious malware for the next person but yeah, uh, but apple yeah. presumably is good at that they would yeah there's a lot of reasons why this sounds like a bad plan that uh, you guys raise those points you know 
Wait, this sounded bad to you? It sounded better now. Before, I was like poo-pooing it. It's like, how is this different than the upgrade plan? And now I'm like, hmm. Oh, okay. An Apple bundle. And I could cancel at any time. Like, uh, well, you don't know if you can cancel any time. That's, that's the part where you don't know. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I'm, it's my, all my over dreams. this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It depends. I yeah. mean, I mean, again, we come, it comes back to like the, the main reasons. I mean, I, I still think of Apple as a hardware company, right? Like, like, you know, even though, you know, we're all in development or, you know, writing apps and stuff like that. I think I still think of them as this is their main, their meat and potatoes is, has been. You know, building Macs and and you know, I mean, that's what they the, they started in the garage was hard to a company, right? Yep. To be, to be able to, to write this or to work with the software that, that well was yeah, you know, was writing right. So did, IBM used to be a hardware company too, and what percentage of yeah. IBM's revenue is from hardware these days? I think it's probably yeah. zero. Really? Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah they're all services now. So, and you know, Apple's been telling us for years that this is coming. It's also it's all about services. Yeah. Yeah, and they get the Academy Award to prove it. Two of them. Yep. Yep. Two of them? One of them. How many did they have? I mean, I forgot. We, we talked about this on Spotcast. They got uh, Best Picture. Did they... But what did they get last year? Oh, no, it was Netflix got the other one, right? The, the Roma, whatever it was. Roma got Best Director for Netflix, right. which was the confusion where I thought, well, I thought a streaming service already had Best Picture. No, it turns out Roma did not get Best Picture. I think. So Apple was the first streaming service to win a Best Picture yeah, Oscar? Yeah, so Best Director was crossed by Netflix, and Best Picture was right. uh, Apple. Cool. Well, speaking of Netflix. Yeah, um, it's a little dustier now than it was when I first saw this, but if you missed it, uh, Reader with scare quotes apps like Kindle, Netflix, and Spotify can link to their own sites. So it's part of the uh, sort of tug of war that Apple has been having with uh, the industry and the regulators uh, across the globe. Uh, this is one that, that came to my attention. And this screen, uh, screenshots are kind of interesting. It it really kind of boils down to a scary speed bump that Apple is requiring you to put in of like, hey, you're about to leave the app. You're going to go to an external site. People are going to stab you in, in an alley, you know, <laughs> just everything to try to convince you that you shouldn't be doing this. But if you're willing to move along, then you can go to the provider's website, you know, presumably be fruitful and marry, as opposed to sort of the, the more draconian way for, you know, the vast majority of the app store's life, as well as if you're not one of these reader apps that doesn't qualify for this special treatment, if somehow the reviewer can, can find a way to get to a, a page that says, oh, buy such and such, they will absolutely slam the door on you and reject your app. Uh, not so much true anymore for this very narrow set of kinds of apps. So now, is this now active? Because I've noticed that on LinkedIn, if I click on a link, it tells me, hey, you're about to leave LinkedIn. And if I do, I think the same thing on Facebook, right? Like, is that part of the OS now? That if you click on a link, that's going to take you outside of the app? I'm doing air quotes. Oh, it's not using been doing that for a while, hasn't it? I thought so. I but so. I, yeah. so, I, so this update was this, this is separate, I think. This is separate. Yeah, yeah. from... From the March 30th um, update on, quote, reader app distribution, uh, App Store Review Guideline 3.1.3a, developers of reader apps can now request access to the external link account entitlement. This entitlement lets reader apps link to a website that is owned or maintained by developers so you can manage, create or manage an account outside of that. So this kind of gets away from the, oh like, right Netflix right. is kind of the only one who can get away with um not having, you know, not being able to allow you to create an account within because they're so darn big. And if you have electricity, you probably have Netflix 
funny timing for today's uh, quarterly results, but nevertheless. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's necessarily true that you, you probably have Netflix anymore. <laughs> the world is the changed. Netflix announcement or Netflix announcement. Yeah, their Netflix yeah. they their stock collapsed today. Yeah, because they that. announced that their their uh, users are down first time ever since they really? started. Yep. Yeah. Not the not the growth being down. The actual number of users has gone down. Yeah, I got some numbers from um, for uh, Spotcast because we're doing Spotcast tomorrow. Apparently, because we were wondering about this for ourselves, right? There are 200 million users of um, is it 200 billion? 200, 200 million users of Netflix. Got to be billion, right? 200 billion. What do you think? Million. There's only seven billion people on the planet. Okay, so there's 200 million people. <laughs> pay, 200 million people pay for Netflix, and 100 million don't pay. I'm almost feeling yeah. like, like 200 billion would make sense. I'm like, who the heck keeps watching Coco Melon and how does it keep making the top 10 <laughs> <laughs> Netflix? I'm like, oh, <laughs> because all these bots are watching, driving up the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's all the, all the shared account. I don't know. Yeah. I, Tim, yeah, I would I believe if it was 200 million because they yeah. announced today they've lost something like 200,000 users. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Just from this announcement? And, and expected to lose. You know, I just saw the headline. It was two million. I don't know if it was a total of two million or an additional two million over the next quarter or year or whatever time period. Obviously, it didn't look. Yeah, and the stock went down thirty nine percent or something. Yeah, yes. When, when, yeah. <laughs> when Mark said uh, uh, fall or cratered or slipped, um, he was not joking. It was not hyperbole. That no. is a significant no. drop. Wow. Yeah. So you figure there's there's three hundred fifty million people in the U.S. and that probably means. 80 million households, would you guess? Maybe 100 million households. Hmm. So, out of those, if you know, if half of them have Netflix, that's about 25 percent of the 200 million. I mean, these numbers sort of make sense. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I measure, yeah. I measure things in Canada's. So it's about <laughs> it's about uh, <laughs> it's about six and two thirds Canada's. I did the math right. Two hundred million divided by or roughly. What did we, do, what did we establish? 30, 38 million people in Canada. Is that what we, Jonathan said? You guys are stretching out to thirty-eight. Okay, I got to make it closer to forty instead of. That's, uh, that's instead smaller of than California. Yes, it is smaller in California. There's more room for it. More. We have more room. You have than more you space. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I wonder if this new thing means that finally you'll be able from the Amazon app on yeah, mobile, will you be able to buy a Kindle? I sure hope so because do. I have Comixology and. Yeah, which is an Amazon company. I still cannot figure out if I can or cannot purchase a um, you know a, a book or a magazine, a comic book through that, or if I need to go online and do it. And it's it's such a pain and a hassle. And it's kind of nice to see this movement, however uh, small of a select group it is, just to make the user experience better. Yep. I only buy the free comic books. So what can I say? All right. Now, I, I realize this is more than just code, but you guys want to talk about code for a minute? What's oh, that? Well, we're going to have to read this one out because it, it's got a, got a picture. Yeah. Oh, actually, it's this code. one, I love this one. If yeah, it's the so, one that, we're talking, that I think you're talking about. Yeah, yeah so this is the uh, uh, Swift format, new Swift format rule um, from uh, SE0345 from the you know, Swift.org. This is the if let syntax is changing. Yep. So... Instead of having to say if let foo equals foo, and then your curly braces, now you can just say if let foo, or guard let self equals self else, you know, um, which 
kind of always felt redundant. But what do you what do you have to think about that, Mark? That's I think this is awesome. You're not required to do it. You can still use a let to create a new you can variable. Use semicolons if you too, if you want. Yeah, that's true. No, 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 no. There's there's lots of times. There's lots of times when you want the variable to have a different name than yeah. than the optional for sure. But, but there's a lot of times where you do, you do want to just, you're, you're just unwrapping the option. That's it. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and you don't want to mess with, you know, you don't, well, just having this foo equals foo was, yeah, it was also always kind of crazy. So I, I love this. I think this is a great, a great, uh, um, addition to Swift. Yeah, that's true. Like the, the, cause I was, I always looked at it this way. Like the, the, left side of the equal sign is what i want to call it within the scope of the of the the you know in within the closure right but and the the one on the right hand side that's what i'm what's currently the optional value right or a current optional right and so you to hear you're saying if you just don't want to you just want to use the same name inside the closure you don't need to give it another you don't have to say it equals itself kind of thing to the compiler right, right? yeah yeah that's that's it it's better yeah Hmm. Yeah, it's way better. Way mm. better. It reduces ceremony for cases where you don't need the extra power, uh, yeah. which I do like. Yep. And I have to be honest, I I saw the if let foo and I didn't get it. But I am an irrational fan <laughs> of the guard statement. <laughs> so when I saw the guard, I was like, oh yeah, I hate doing you know self equals self. You know, yeah. input equals input. I, I really just want this guard to say. This cannot be optional for this point forward. Otherwise, there's a problem. Right. And uh, I, I dig it. Yep. I dig it. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, if you're, well, I was going to talk about this in my, in my pick, but I'll just talk about it now. But there's a, there's a Swift playground called Swift Fiddle that you can, or actually, no, it's Swift Fiddle, no, it's what, uh, yeah, SwiftFiddle.com is, is an online site where you can actually try out different versions of Swift. And they have this particular one already published, uh, Swift 5.6 which is where this is coming, and you can go in and play with it today, like, if you want to try it out. That's kind of cool. Yeah, looking forward to that. Cool. Well, let's move on to our picks. Um, we have Picorama here, because I've been busy building, building picks over the last couple of weeks. So one of my, one of my uh, I was reminded, I think it was on LinkedIn or something like that, I saw this talk. I was in the room when Rich Turton did his, his inspiration talk from uh, RWDevCon 2017. Uh, the talk is called I'm an Idiot <laughs> by Rich Turton. And it, and it's, it's a really interesting talk about, you know, sort of how um, we all sort of get to this point where, you know, we, we do ridiculous things in our, in our daily, daily lives and daily code and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, sort of, sort of uh, giving yourself permission to do that is I think the gist of the talk, but definitely check it out. Rich is a really, really uh, brilliant guy. He's um, actually, yeah, he's uh, uh, one of the developers over at Martian Craft, and he's been writing for Ray Warner like for a long, long time. So cool stuff. And uh, this other one I put on here for for Mark, and this is going back a few uh, a little while. And um, I talked to Jaime about it on Spotcast, but I don't I don't know if, I can't remember what the gist of it was. But Mark, do you remember when we used to be able to run Mac on HP devices in Solaris, HP Unix? Oh, Solaris was not HP. Solaris was Sun. Yeah, but they so had their, but some, they, but they had a Mac OS running on top of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So wasn't it? Well, I'm just correcting the HP, but yeah, you could. Yeah, I never actually could because I never had a <laughs> a Sun workstation yeah. <laughs> to to install it on. But uh, but yeah, I remember that it existed. Yep, there was a time where the 
conventional wisdom was saying that Sun was about to buy Apple. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Just before, uh, just before the the um, the next acquisition, nineteen ninety-seven, acquired Apple. Yep. 96, yeah. 96, 97. I remember Apple's yeah. Apple was like on the, and you could buy it for. They, they were saying five hundred million. What about you, Apple back then? You know. Yeah, I remember. I was back in grad school at the time, and mm-hmm. and a friend of mine was a big fan of Dell, and I was a big fan of Apple. Mm-hmm. And he challenged me: if I'm such a big fan of Apple, why don't I put all my money into Apple stock when it was six bucks a share? Oh, why didn't you, Mark? <laughs> why didn't I? <laughs> why didn't I? Well, needless to say, I did not. It's funny, you know, if, if I had known about, but I, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I was quite an adult at that point, but I, I still didn't understand how to buy stock at that point in time, but I probably should have. Cause I, I remember when it was $20 and this is like going back to like, yeah, about five years before that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Although the thing is I was a student at the time. So even if I put all the money I had into Apple stock, I still might not be all that rich now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did have a friend who, who who put her money where her mouth was, and and uh, yeah, they they bought you know I don't know no, and over the years they've just been able to you know dip into that and pay for this and pay for that you know because because uh, uh-huh. she I think she got in at fourteen dollars or something like that uh-huh. which were doing great but cool um, this other one was another pick we had on um, on uh, more than just code or sorry on Spotcast. Uh, this is another one we had on Spotcast that was brought to us by a friend of the, or fan of the show, or our number one fan, Xavier Kuline. Um, and this is a commercial done by Ryan Reynolds um, talk about this uh, football team. I think he he, owned, he bought a football team or like a soccer team. And uh, the the title of it is Cybersecurity and Skincare. And what it actually is is a commercial where he's talking to his players on his team about how are they protecting their passwords and stuff like that. And of course, the, pro- the product he's recommending is 1Password, <laughs> the, you know, the number one password vault of more than just code. But, uh, and then at the end of it, he talks about, now let's talk about skincare. But yeah, so it's a really, really interesting commercial. I'll put that in here for people who want to check that one out. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty, pretty much fun. And um, this next story is uh, called Improving Accessibility Voiceover. This is somebody I met um, through uh, a little, little stint I had at Apple, where um, the author, um, his name is Bass. I'm just looking for his last name here. I only, uh, Bass, Bro, Bass Barek, I think, is, is his full name. But he's... Um, he's um, He's got. He worked on the accessibility team at at Apple. That's how I kind of met him. But um, so his article here is about improving accessibility with voiceover. And uh, I don't know if you guys. I don't know. If we didn't talk about this, but uh, recently um, I got the le- you know the the note from Apple saying I hadn't touched Pi Day Countdown in a couple of years and pitter patter, or they're going to take it off the store. And so I thought, well, what better time to go in and check out you know and, and update you know. Uh, Pi Day Countdown, which I tend to do every year, um, and what I did was I went in and I I basically looked at it and I said, you know what, I never really addressed accessibility in this app. So uh, part of my exploration was how I came across Bass again because I, I had a few issues with uh, getting the app updated. Um, for those of you driving at home, Pi Day Countdown is written in glorious Objective C with manual memory management. So. I had some homework to do. I had to go in and fix local notifications, so I had to figure out how to do that in Objective-C. I set it up with dynamic type. I put in dark mode. I 
addressed all the accessibility stuff that was missing. And what, what the challenge that was happening was on the table cells, the, the entire cell normally has um, reads out in, in voiceover and you have to uh, override it sort of or disable the accessibility and, and then uh, add accessibility uh, hints to the internal elements like the the picture or the text you know text field and detail cell that you might or detail text label that you have in there and that was what the challenge i was having was trying to get that to work and it just seemed like a bug to me but it was just the way i was doing it was wrong but um yeah so anyway so the, the long story short pi day countdown now supports dark mode I, I originally designed it with a dark background and and white text but uh, i realized that that you know is not very uh, accessible for people who are visually impaired they may they may not be completely you know without sight they may want to have you know use contrast or use bigger fonts so yeah so i did that and and this article here talks about uh improving improving your accessibility with voiceover and got a bunch of uh, sort of bits and pieces on values and hints and um you know escaping some of the stuff that you want to do in there and any kind of custom controls that you build yourself and how to add accessibility uh, to that, whether it's for automated automation testing or for voiceover or for any kind of other things. Cause it's not just, you know, um, people who are, it's not just voiceover and it's not what accessibility is about. It's also about, you know, how people, um, interface with or interact with the device. Maybe they don't have, they're not able to use touch and they have to use like a, um, a device to help them with that. So anyway, just, I'm a big fan of accessibility. I, I had, I have to hang my head and feel shame again for not, um, addressing that in my app sooner and i'm going to throw over to jaime for the next pick before we do tim i'm unclear given the litany of things you described doing mm. I'm, I'm confused why you didn't go the uh this old house out or in some cases the extreme makeover home edition route where there's yeah. hardly anything other than a shell left behind everything is 100 percent new i'm a little surprised you didn't start from scratch when it came to well to updating the app yeah so it's an interest, interesting little story about that you know because because yeah i've been i've been you know on the sort of swift bandwagon for all of my apps for a while in fact like you know why didn't i why didn't i implement arc is a good question too right but because that's not that challenging to do that's an easy one yeah, yeah. it's a super easy one but the in fact I, at one time there was a migrator you could just run yeah, I think it's still around right but it was i remember doing it in a few other apps and it wasn't it wasn't challenging at all but um, what what I found interesting about this, and I kind of took it as a challenge to myself, I mean, was that, you know, I had a conversation with a few folks um, who sell fruit for a living, and they were telling me that Objective-C is very much still alive and well and, and has a good heartbeat. And that kind of made me think, well, you know, using the old, it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I wanted to get in and... and um, uh, fix, you know, sort of the, the stuff that, that was missing, like, like notifi- local notifications had changed. Like it, it probably account on as a timer app, right? And, and one of the things you wanted, I wanted to do with a timer. And I added this years ago was I added the ability that when you set a timer up and you, you leave the app and it's running in background mode, um, create a notification and have it pop up to tell you the timer's done. Right. Um, and have that appear on your watch and all that kind of nice stuff. But the, the way I had implemented it changed, I think, around iOS 8. And this app is 10 years old, too, by the way. It's like it's one of the first apps I created. And um, so I had to go in and update the notifications, the the local notification using the UN Notification Center, I think it's called, but the new the new version yep. of it. 
And um, not that new anymore, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I said, iOS eight, we're on iOS fifteen, so that's like you know, seven yeah. seven iterations ago. But the the challenge, I I took it upon myself to figure out how to do all the sort of modern stuff with Objective C, right? Because there still is a fair amount of Objective C mm. out there, right? And that was a challenge because there is absolutely no. I mean, other than Apple, there's no, there's no, there's no. You know, hacking. You can't go to hacking with Swift and look it up. You know, there's all of the Ray Wonderlic stuff. They've taken that all offline. That I got it. By the way, just got to uh, mention. I did. I did reach out to one of the teammates at, at Ray Wonderlic and said because I was trying to figure out a, a thing with Core Data, and I remember reading something they did years and years ago. This isn't our Core Data, core data app, but. Um, uh, I was looking for an old thread that I'd read in one of the books, and I don't have I don't have the, the PDF anymore. And um, they've uh, you can actually get the Ray. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can get their uh, the Ray Wonder like um, old deprecated books. You can still get those on their GitHub site, so that's kind of cool. But anyway, yeah, I just took it upon myself to to figure out how to do all of these things in Objective C because because there's nothing wrong with Objective C. It's just you know it's not you know it's just different. Um, I don't know, you know, we, we, I mean, it, in our day, in our work, we, we tend to, to, you know, refactor things in Swift all the time. Right. So it's not like I haven't done that and I'm not planning on doing that, but yeah, I mean, just why would I start the whole app from the, from scratch? Right. Not that, you know, again, nobody's paying me to do this and I'm not making any money off of it. So it's just a, it's a hobby app. Right. So yeah, I was thinking, I was sort of half heartedly thinking maybe I should start some objective C tutorials on YouTube. <laughs> You know, it it wouldn't have been worth it before because you would have gotten swamped out by the uh, the people jumping on board with Swift, the new hotness in 2014. Yeah. But now, yeah. now it sticks out. So I think it probably is worth it to do now. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's not not never say never. But let's let's move on to your uh, speaking of had headaches in in Objective C. <laughs> so um, Ellen Shapiro. Uh, designated nerd, I think everywhere on the interwebs, she apparently has like a glowforge or something that can do uh, laser etching, and she has uh, a, a whole bunch of different sort of craft things that she's created. The one that I like, and the one I linked here for you all, is the uh, live, laugh, delete, derive data black. Which if anybody has gone to uh, to Wayfair.com or probably you know Home Depot or any place, you've seen those live, laugh, love posters or yeah uh, you know, yeah. wooden yeah. panels and stuff it's done in that style and uh i don't know why this keeps showing up in the canadian site for me man like i, I tried changing the link and i swear the browser changed it on me i didn't know i apologize oh yeah it's no it's doing that for me too hmm. it huh. looks like i pasted it in as canadian but i'm pretty sure i was looking at the american version when i copied it pasted it from uh, safari so apologies there um well this podcast okay. is hosted in canada so maybe that's what it is right it knew. It knew. Produced in I Canada. Ex- I explicitly changed the URL to the US site, and it's still giving me the prices in Canadian. Really? Yeah. I had to go to the little flag in the corner to to change um, yeah. all of that stuff. So it's like twelve dollars US. Um, I personally like the blue model because it it looks like the uh, the Xcode sort of uh, colors. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's there's some some good stuff with all the other different colors too. So. That one doesn't look like it's done with a source forge, though. Like it looks like it's uh, like enamel, copper enamel kind of thing. It's hard to tell from this. the The wooden one looks like it's a glow forge. The, the yeah, like it's I can't tell in there. If, yeah, if it's burned into this uh, this blue one or not. Well, we have to it reach out cool. to her and ask her. Well, if you if you uh, pull down on the material uh, 
Oh, tab selector. Yeah, yeah. Tells you. So the blue and the white one is acrylic. Mm-hmm. There's a birch plywood. There's a cherry plywood. And the rest are all acrylic. Red, white, blue, white, green. I think I've seen people use Glowforges to like tattoo lemons and stuff. So I, I still don't know <laughs> if acrylic can be burned in this way. In any yeah, I don't know. Way, and then filled in with something or, or, or how this works. But it looks cool. No, I was just going to say, I've never followed anybody on, on uh, Etsy before until till this link came out. Of course, designated. She's a friend of mine, so of course I follow her. <laughs> yeah, this could be a, a stocking stuffer for your, your junior iOS engineers. Junior, like, hey, yeah. so I've made some changes and it's not good. Yep, yep. Let me, let me learn you how to delete derived data. <laughs> because yeah. this is the first step you're going to do before restarting Xcode. And if that doesn't work, then you're going to restart macOS. Yeah, she's also got the ear- earrings. That one says await, and the other one says async. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the 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 Swift ones. Yeah, yeah. She's also got live, love, invalidate, and restart. That one is uh, for the Android side of the house. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's um, it's, you got to kind of turn your head sideways, but the the Android logo is in the trash bin instead of the uh, uh, Xcode logo. And the Norm Abrams from this old house. Speaking of this old house again, um, he uh, his famous saying was from his father was "measure twice, cut once." And I, I love the fact she's got "measure twice, cut once," and the the E is getting cut off on the <laughs> right hand side of this one. Yeah, I've seen that before in other things. That's not original. Yeah, it's the saying or the fact that it's been cut wrong. The saying the the fact that it's cut wrong. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Famous last words. So nice though. For sure. Definitely. We'll have to get her to make some for uh, MTJC, maybe. Um, yeah, so I have two, two, these are two mega picks. Um, I'm just gonna, maybe going to go through them real quick, but this was one I found really cool. And this is from um, uh, Mateo Crippa is the, um, the handle on GitHub, and it's called awesome-swift. And it is probably the longest listing I've seen of all the Swift resources that are out there that you could ever possibly want, and maybe there's going to be more added as time goes on. Um, there are 598 contributors to this, so there's there's things about newsletters, there's boilerplate examples, benchmarks, libraries, you know, you got your app routing libraries, charting, you've got a bunch of data management things, MongoDB, SQL lights, you know, devices, hardware, 3D touch, I'm just skimming through this thing. Uh, the only thing that's missing on this is a list of really good iOS podcasts. Yeah, I was about to ask about that. But, uh, I did, I did check, <laughs> but uh, UI, yeah. So it's it's a really good uh, thing. And then then at the end, after he goes through all the sort of uh, coding library stuff, he goes into letters and he goes into quite quite detailed third party guides. You know, on on and on. Uh, REPL using Swift Playground. Um, yeah, so check it out. This is a huge huge resource. I think uh, just yeah, bookmark this one and come back to it on a regular basis and hopefully it'll it'll grow as over time right so and it's alphabetical so i'm like i'm i'm on i'm on app store audio augmented reality authentication like yeah i'm not even getting to the later parts of the alphabet it's a huge huge um list of stuff on um github cool on that one and the other the last pick i have for tonight is uh the um 40 plus things that changed in ios 15.4 this is from the fine folks at, um, I think it's not, or 9to5Mac. And uh, the uh, narrator here goes through all of the various things that are they're new. I checked this thing out. I mean, there's, there's tons of things in here I didn't know, tons of things I don't care about. 
but like, you know, universal control support. If you wanted to try that out, I, I gave that a shot as soon as I read this one. You know, there's green wallpapers for I, the iPhones. Uh, there's a new American voice for Siri. Um, what else was there? It was really cool. Oh, the new um, the new mode in iPad where uh, you have the, po- the the volume up and volume down buttons. Now when you rotate your device, they, they change more intuitively. So if you if you're like currently, if your uh, iPads like mine is right now in in landscape mode, you know the the left hand side is to um, decrease the volume, and the right hand side is to increase. I'm just gonna check that. Yes, and then but when I turn my my uh, iPad 90 degrees, the 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 buttons switch switch side. It's kind of cool. Oh, that's yeah. Um, how to stop iCloud key- keychain from saving passwords without usernames. Um. AirPod status stuff. Uh, browse podcasts by sessions, by seasons. Well, that's interesting. We don't use seasons on Modern Desk Code. Sorry, folks. Um, so on big long season. <laughs> uh, yeah, lots of lots of cool things. So this is a this is a real uh, real interesting video. It's about uh, tw- uh, fifteen minutes long, and it just covers just about everything. So kind of cool. Check that one out for sure. And I think that's it, right? Yep. So that's it for another week. So hey. Uh, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I have to think about that. Uh, MarkR at Swapsoft.com. <laughs> it's been a while since I've given up that email address. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it reminds me of something I got to tell you about in a minute. And Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter. It's at Dev with the Hair. Right. And my name is Timitra, T I M M I T R A, on the Twitter machines where I'll be found. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye. bye bye. Bye bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC, and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah, I saw I saw a uh, somebody tweeted on um, the other day saying, you know, if you know an awesome developer, um, you know, give him a shout out here, and we'll we'll start we'll strike up a conversation. I said I would, but Smafsoft will never answer this uh, tweet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Tim. <laughs> kind of a backhanded compliment there, but <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you remember, we have a wager between the Jaime and myself and the other host. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's, who can get Mark to respond on Twitter? <laughs> oh, well, you know, if there's cash involved, that could easily be fixed. <laughs> maybe maybe there's a burrito in your future. Oh, burritos, right? Yeah. Hey, I tweet for burritos. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can always put up a you can always put up a, a, a tip jar for burritos. I've seen people do that.
Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I can I can buy my own burritos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. go. We're gonna be right back. Hang on a second. He asks a question and then immediately leaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've got some music stuff I can talk to him about. Um, but what's new with you, Jaime? It's been a while. It has been a while. Um, I'm doing all right. No, uh, no, no complaints here. Yeah. Um, had a, well, Tim, Tim should be here for this part because I uh, was a guest on the Engineering Leader podcast. Uh, yeah, I saw that the other day, okay. or just today, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the the preview for the episode came out today, and I think uh, Sunday so it's by the end of the weekend we should have the uh, the full episode. And I I think it's uh, it's one that would make sense for you to be a guest on as well, Tim. I think uh, hmm. you know it would probably be good to get your your opinions and your different perspective on being an engineering leader, right? Especially right. For the, yeah. the manager perspective and the, the individual contributor. I see, hmm. and and the Canadian. There's like just so many different ways that I think that this could go. Steve Westgarth, who runs uh, runs that podcast, is somebody I met because he was the uh, conference organizer for Code Mobile UK. Uh, just a lot of stuff that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I did a I did a thing with Bit Bitrise Bitrise Bitrise. What are they called? Um, Bitrise. Yeah, yeah. I did a, po- a podcast, or it was supposed to be like an online thing, but we couldn't get the video going. I don't know whatever happened to that. Like if they're going to publish the recording or whatever. We were talking about. Um, banking uh there was a couple of fintechs on there as well so cool. so tim i was just telling jaime that there's music stuff to talk about so concerts are back yeah i'm going to one tomorrow oh, or yeah. friday Which friday, one? friday i'm going well i had two tickets i had lamb lays down on broadway playing at the, uh-huh. the um danforth music hall which is around the corner from my house but i also ended up getting tickets to bruce coburn uh oh, nice yeah who i've i've Last time I saw him was probably about 10 years ago, and I was very disappointed. But I mean, I was a huge fan of his. I learned to play guitar because of his music, right? Because he was very yeah, inspiring. Yeah, you, you mentioned that before. So I'm taking my yeah. sister to see that one. And then we're off to nice. Portugal on Sunday. Oh, wow. Yeah, so life life is kind of coming back to normal, but, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so, so I went to a uh, Lindsay Buckingham show a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, ago. how was that? It was great, but a little bit strange because... Uh, this is this is kind of weird. We're, so we're driving into the parking lot, yeah, and there's a, a fire truck there right next to the tour bus, yeah, before the show, yeah. And we're like, what's what's going on here? I hope it's you know, yeah, hope everyone's okay. I hope it's not Lindsey Buckingham. And but anyway, we park and, and go to the show, and it turns out his his uh, keyboardist and bass player, uh, he didn't they didn't say what it was, but something was up, and they had to take him off to the hospital. Wow. Uh, so there was no bass player in the show, huh? Yeah, yeah. Now it wasn't as bizarre as it might sound because about a a third to a half of the show was Lindsey Buckingham playing acoustic guitar solo anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so uh, so that was you know completely normal. But yeah, but the other half of the show was <laughs> without bass. It was pretty bizarre. Mm. Pretty bizarre. But the show must go on, I guess. Yeah, I saw a really good video the other day on YouTube. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it was. Um... You know that song? Uh, I think it's called "Never Go Back Again." Yeah, yeah. Uh, guy really broke that one down in terms of how to play that one properly, yep. which is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can play that one. Can you? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's see, it's it it's a, it's not an easy song. No, but but uh, if you if you do finger picking for a while, and I do a lot of finger yeah. picking, yeah. Um, it's not as bad as it looks yeah. uh, because. Because a lot of it is based on this barred A uh, 
alternating to the barred C, just the low two strings of the C, or two, not two strings, low two fretted strings. Uh, and that's used a lot in finger picking. So if you, if you can do that, you can do most of the song. There is that weird, um, the, uh, it's like an A7 on the fifth fret with when you're, when you're barring from the A. So that's a, that's a pretty, that's a tough stretch. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the hardest part of it. Yeah. And the timing is kind of tough because it's a, it's not a, it's not a, uh, a standard kind of Travis picking kind of thing. Yeah. The other thing, uh, that, um, kind of disappointing is I, I, I have tickets to see, um, James Taylor. And, okay. um, I've had these for two years. It's been can- like, it was, I think it was supposed to be April, 2020 was the original, original show been no, wow. rescheduled three times. This is the fourth time it's being rescheduled. It was originally supposed to be with Bonnie Raitt, but now it's going to be with Jackson Brown. Mm. Right. But unfortunately I'm coming. That's still, that's, oh, you're. The unfortunate okay, you're, part is I'm coming home from Portugal on the night that show was on. Yeah. So if you want to fly, Jackson if you want to fly to Toronto show. and watch it, you know, I've got two tickets. Yeah. <laughs> when is it? Uh, 30th of April. Oh, that's funny. Cause I'm going to be on the East coast on the 30th of April. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 But I'll be in DC. Don't so. throw from there. Yeah, I know. Speaking. Yeah. So about that song, never going back again. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't play it live the way we described it. Oh, yeah? He cheats a little bit. Uh, yeah. What yeah. he does is so it's drop D tuning. Yeah. Right. Which means the, the low E is tuned to D, yeah. and and cape out on the fourth fret. That's that's how he does it on the record. Mm. I think what he does live is he tunes the. Uh, the low E string down to C. Oh, so another right. whole step. Mm. Yep. And the A string down to G. Oh, right. And then he puts a capo on the sixth fret instead of the fourth fret. Oh, yeah. So you don't have to do that barred A anymore. It's oh. all open chords. Except, well, there's, the chorus is up higher, so that's that's a barred. But, but uh, yeah, if you have a, if you have a good uh, chromatic tuner, you can do that, too. <laughs> and a capo. Interesting. Yep. So I got uh, a Steve Hackett show coming up pretty soon. Yeah. That should be pretty awesome. Yeah. I got Steely Dan, and this was, it was supposed to be a, a double bill, Steely Dan and Steve Winwood. Yeah, I, I is, had those tickets amazing, too. Right? I had those tickets too, but they haven't, they haven't rescheduled a Toronto date yet. I think they refunded yeah. the tickets. Well, they rescheduled it, and Steve Winwood is not part of the oh, show Oh, really? Anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now it's, uh, what is it, Snarky Puppy? Is that the band? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No idea who that is. They're kind of a jazz fusion thing. I might have, I might have been able. Mm. Yeah. And then I got uh, Primus doing a tribute to King. Yeah, it was Carol the Kings. Too. Yeah, I have that one too. Carol the Kings. Yeah, but yeah, they're calling it a tribute to. Yeah, yeah, I have that one, and then I have Roger Waters coming too. Oh, okay. And then I got uh, Little Feet and Hot Tuna double bill, mm-hmm. which with Little Feet doing Waiting for Columbus a lot of straight through mm. the album. So yeah, you know, concerts are back in the, with a vengeance. Oh, let's see. I've also got, wow, I'm looking at my calendar. I've got Joe Satriani and then Tommy Emanuel. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Did you see the, the interview with him and um, uh, Rick Beato? No, no. Yeah, Rick Beato's done a few, couple of interviews. He did one with Pat Metheny. He did one with um, uh, the fast guy. Dimiola? yeah. Yeah. Um, and he did one with uh, with Emmanuel as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he did one with the the guy, the young guy who tours with him. And there's two. Is he by himself, Emmanuel? I don't know. Yeah, there's, I'll find out. There's, <laughs> there's the young guy who played tours with him. It's really good too. Hmm. But yeah, hmm. 
He's from Australia, right? Yeah, uh, either Australia or I mean British of some. Nope. Um, not American. Some, right? <laughs> yeah, not American. Yeah. Not that yeah. there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, he'd be good to see. Yeah, I definitely want to check. Ch- I think he's coming to Toronto at some point too. I don't know. I'm just. I'm the the jury's still out. I mean, I went to see Genesis um, at the Scotiabank Arena, you know, before Christmas with my sister, mm-hmm. and that was a little little weird to be that close to other people, right? So, mm, yeah, yeah, gonna be interesting getting on a plane and flying to Europe for seven hours with people. Yeah, yeah. that is interesting. Yeah, I'm flying to like I said the East Coast. Uh, next week About next five Wednesday. hours right what? yeah six hours yeah you just coming to visit family or yeah family thing oh. yeah yeah but not boston not down at dc oh dc right mm. yeah it's oh, a great ray wonderful neighborhood hmm. he's in virginia mm-hmm. i use the n95 masks for uh airline travel yeah i'm gonna as well even even though it's not officially uh required anymore yeah, the international thing is something I was kind of wondering about, if, you know, keeping up to the minute with that and making sure that you actually can get over there, because it's a very long trip across the pond, only to realize you're not going to be allowed in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we're, they're going to get we're, we're all that you right back. Yeah, we've been checking all that stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, like, I'm, I'm not, you know. You're not what? But, right. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, is it, is it really going to happen kind of thing? It's still, it's still, you know. I'm not putting any money on it, right, at this point. Mm. Been a long, difficult Which, winter. The trip? Yeah. The is trip. what going to really happen? Sorry. Yeah, the trip, or we'll trip, get huh? in the country, or we'll have hassles, or whatever, right? Oh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Well, the reason we were supposed to go to, to Hawaii, and, and uh, the rules for going into Hawaii, like, all the people in our party, was, there's a couple of challenges there, so we, we decided we couldn't, we couldn't do it, so we're switching gears and going to Portugal instead. Because they're mm. a more accommodating thing to do. All right, should we say good night and turn off the recording? <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds All right. Good, good night. See you guys later. Good night. Bye. Night. Bye. Bye. Not really gone. <laughs>